Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. I'll be reading Romans 6, verse 1 to 14. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of its of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's a great delight to be with you and a great honor to be preaching uh, today. Romans is a long book, full of big ideas. The first (coughs) imperatives we find in Romans are found in chapter 6. The first time Paul tells us what he wants us to do, having read his book, come in chapter 6. Reckon that you're dead to sin and alive to God. Don't live under the power of sin. Don't offer any part of you for sin to use. You are alive from the dead. Offer yourselves and every part of you to God. Paul's message is you have died with Christ and you have been raised with Christ. So you must live a dead life and a risen life as well. Well, we know that Christ died for us in our place as a substitute. We know that on the cross he died to pay the penalty for our sin. We know that he rose again to give us new life, to give us the Holy Spirit and to reign until all his enemies are defeated when he comes again. But we learn this in Romans 6, that just as surely as Jesus died for us, so also we died with Jesus. Just as surely as Christ rose for us, 
just as certainly we rose with Jesus. Christ died for us. We died with Christ. Jesus rose for us. We were raised to life in him. So in his death and resurrection, Jesus embraced us into himself. His death and resurrection are part of our history, our identity, our reality as individuals and also as God's people. You see, by ourselves, we cannot fight sin and by ourselves, we cannot live in righteousness. It's only because of Jesus' death that we can die to sin and only because of his resurrection that we can lead a new life. Jesus' death was so powerful, it not only dealt with the penalty of our sin, but also dealt with the power and pathos and pain of our sin as well. And Jesus' resurrection was so powerful that when God raised him from the dead, he not only raised Jesus from the dead, but also raised us to newness of life. And also, by that same power, will raise every human being who's ever lived on the last day when Jesus returns. What a powerful death. And what a powerful resurrection. So let me ask, is dying to sin by the power of Christ part of your daily life? Do you repent of your sins every day? Do you see constant progress in your life as God in his mercy reveals more of your sins and you kill them? When I'm mentoring people in ministry, I often ask them, what are your sins? I then say, I don't want to hear the answer. <laughs> but I want you to know what they are and I want to know you're killing them every day, putting them to death, executing them. And then about six months later, I ask, what are your sins of ministry? Do you know what they are? Are you killing them every day? John Owen, the great uh, 17th century theologian, in his little book, The Mortification of Sin, The Putting to Death of Sin, makes these two points. I've kind of translated them into modern language. <clears throat> the first one is, you are under the power of sin. And if you don't know that, you should realise it. You don't realise how powerful sin is in your life. Why is that? It's because sin blinds <coughs> us to its presence. Isn't that right? You commit a sin the first time, you think, oh, isn't that awful? The next time you think, oh, there I go again. And the fourth time, you didn't notice. But then he says, you are not under the power of sin. 
Please realize the power of Jesus' death and the power of Jesus' resurrection for you to lead a new life. And what restricts us in our usefulness to God? Lack of gifts? No. Lack of time? No. Lack of energy? No. Lack of resources? No. Sin. And Jesus' death and resurrection was so powerful that they dealt with the penalty of sin, the impurity of sin, the pain of sin, the pathos of sin, the persistence of sin, the power of sin, and the imprisonment of sin. Well, you may say, it's all very well for you to preach. This, what sins are you putting to death at present? So let me tell you what they are. Daily discontent. Envy of others and their gifts and abilities. Um, I also suffer from <coughs> a, uh, I think it's the disease really, uh, that is I am actually infallible. <laughs> and unlike the Pope who has to decide when he's infallible, I am perpetually infallible. <laughs> I just thought I ought to tell you that. <laughs> and that perhaps indicates a certain, well, would pride be the word? I think it might be the right word. Yes. And that's a very pernicious and powerful sin in my life. I wake up every morning infallible. And I remain infallible all day. It's very satisfying. It's so nice to be right. And here's a deep one. I pursue happiness rather than holiness. But I think that's quite common, actually. How are you getting on? Oh, things are going really well. I'm really happy, thanks. Well, what sins are you currently putting to death, dear friends? If you don't know what they are, you're in serious trouble. If you do know what they are and you are putting them to death, that is a good thing. And please remember, however boring it is to confess the same sin to God, a hundred times a day, he does not find it boring to forgive you. It's the one prayer God always answers yes immediately. And he loves forgiving us. And he loves changing us by the power of his son's death and resurrection. Let's look at how Paul develops this in uh, Romans chapter 6. Have we got the... Uh... Brilliant, thank you. Shall we sin that grace may multiply? 
Paul's answer is, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, Paul, how did we die to sin? Paul says, are you unaware that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? But then, Paul adds, therefore, as we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in a new way of life. So do we get both, Paul? Yes, we do. If we've been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we shall certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Well, Paul, how did this happen? Well, we died with him so that we're free from sin's power. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the old body may, over the body may be abolished, that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin's chains. And so, oh, what should we do then? We should consider that we're dead to sin and alive to God. We should decide not to live under the power of sin. We should not offer any part of ourselves for sin to use. We're alive from the dead. We should offer ourselves and every part of ourselves to God. Move on to the slide later on with the thingies put in order, please. One, two, three, four, five, if that's okay. Notice the order, consider, recognize, know that you're dead to sin and alive to God. Notice that you have to die before you can live. Do you see that? But you have to reckon that you're dead to sin through Christ. Then you have to decide not to live under the power of sin. And that means you don't offer any part of you for sin to use. Then you can recognise that you're alive from the dead, so then you can offer yourselves and every part of you to God. And then you will find freedom from sin's power over you in God's grace. Notice the order, death before resurrection. Notice the order, you have to die before you can live. You have to put sin to death before you can live the new life. It's like Paul in Ephesians chapter um, 4, isn't it? Let the thief no... I remember reading this for the first time, thinking it was brilliant. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather labour with his hands to give to those in need. That is, you need to stop doing the wrong thing in order to do the right thing. Makes sense, doesn't it? So you can't actually offer yourself to God until you have put sin to death. You are putting sin to death, I should say. Because you won't succeed, uh, but it'll be a lifelong journey, a lifelong battle. And notice uh, 
this, this is extraordinary, I think. Just think back to Romans chapter 3 of Paul's rather more negative view of the human body. Uh, their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And you think, well, how on earth could people like that offer themselves to God? And the answer is, by Jesus' death and resurrection, by his forgiveness and by his power. And you're alive from the dead, offer yourselves and every part of you to God, is heading towards those wonderful words in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Well, I love those words because I spent the 40, first 40 years of my Christian life thinking I could never do that. And then I realized I could do it. Through the mercies of God and through God's forgiveness and through the power of Jesus' death and the power of Jesus' resurrection. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I would love to sit down with each one of you and talk to you about these matters. Because the, this, these matters are so fundamental to living as a Christian and so fundamental to being useful in ministry. Well, I've written a prayer and I'd like us to look through the prayer uh, we're going to say it, but I don't want you to say it unless you mean it. Okay, so let's look through the prayer. So, as I read it out, you think whether you want to pray this prayer or not. Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, we praise and thank you for your, you were delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. We also praise and thank you that we all died with you in your death and we were all raised with you in your resurrection. We reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in you. We will not let sin reign in our bodies or obey its desires. We will not offer any part of our bodies to sin to serve unrighteousness. We are alive from the dead in you. We offer ourselves and every part of ourselves to God to serve him in righteousness in your name and for your glory. Now, that's not a promise to live a sinless life, but it is a promise 
and a prayer and a declaration to God that we will uh, try to live by the power uh, as best we can, live by the power of Jesus' death and his resurrection. So I'll read the prayer again uh, and we'll, those, those of you who want to pray it, please uh, join with me. Uh, I'll read the words and then would you please say them after me. So the first bit of the prayer, uh, I'll read them out then pray it again. Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, we praise you and thank you for you were delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Together, Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, we praise and thank you for you were delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Next, we also praise and thank you that we all died with you in your death and we were all raised with you in your resurrection. Together, we also praise and thank you that we all died with you in your death, and we were all raised with you in your resurrection. We reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in you. Together, we reckon ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in you. We will not let sin reign in our bodies or obey its desires. We will not let sin reign in our bodies or obey its desires. We will not offer any part of our bodies to sin to serve unrighteousness. We will not offer any part of our bodies to sin to serve unrighteousness. We are alive from the dead in you. We are alive from the dead in you. We offer ourselves and every part of ourselves to God to serve him in righteousness. We offer ourselves and every part of ourselves to God to serve him in righteousness. In your name and for your glory, amen. In your name and for your glory, amen.